Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Hello and welcome. I have my guest, my co-host, Jen Loudon here. And remember, she has started the self-care movement with her first book, The Woman's Comfort Book. She's one of the leaders in personal development. She's written a bunch of books, The Woman's Retreat and The Life Organizer, and um, just inspired women throughout the world. And I'm so delighted that I get to talk with her You know, during this period of time that we're doing these shows. Today, we're going to talk about the myth of perfection in the personal growth world. Jen, thank you for being here today. Ooh, doesn't that just sound juicy? <laughs> it does sound juicy. So one of the things that I'd said to you before we started recording was today I was on the phone with somebody and she said, oh, you just got it down. It's just so smooth. Everything's flawless. And I went, oh, that's not really. I mean, I have systems in place, but there's still those you know, the difficulties of life, the realities of life. And do you find that people have uh, this perfection uh, aura about you because you're Jen Loudon? I do. And I'm always really surprised. And, and that I'm surprised for two reasons. One, I'm so transparent about how what my life is really like. It's not that I share everything. I don't say, oh, look what I had for breakfast this morning or, but for me, my work has really always been about what do I need to learn and then trying to package that, share that in a way that's useful. But it always springs from my challenges. So I'm always amazed at the power of the human to project <laughs> mm-hmm. because um, that's what we do. It's what our brains do. And that's why we need to learn different ways to step out of those projections because they can cause us so much pain. When people perceive us, like for me to be flawless or have smooth operations or for you, isn't it them putting themselves in this compare and despair? Like Corinne has it so much better or Jen has it so much better and look how worse I have it. Sometimes. I also think sometimes it is, let's see if I can verbalize this. It's wanting to forget, discount, pretend that the gap doesn't exist. And the gap exists for all of us. But to acknowledge the gap is to acknowledge uncertainty and the constant need to be learning and to make yourself comfortable in that uncertainty and learning. And the gap is simply where you are and where you want to be. The gap in between those two. And we all live in that gap. And the moments that we actually arrive someplace and go, oh, look, I did it. You know, I fit into that size pants again, or I finished that report, or I wrote that blog post, or, oh my gosh, I'm done parenting. Oh, I'm sorry, that moment never arrived. (laughs) (laughs) But there are milestones along the way. You know, so we live, and it's part of the way our brains are structured and part of the way our culture is structured in this place of, I'm going to get there, I'm going to get there, and then everything's going to be done. So I think part of what happens when people look at you and say, you've really got your shit together, excuse me, is that um, they want to be there too. They want to be in this mythical done place. 
And what I think is so much richer and it's harder is to become comfortable in that gap and develop resources and tools to hang out there and live there because that's where most of our lives happen. Do you think that um, the gap, because I call it the idea versus the reality, right? Yeah, good. And, And sometimes for me, like that I'm going to get there, this idea of what I want is really not what I want. And here, I mean, so, and I came up with this years ago when I was in Vegas, because I'm not a Vegas type of person. I've been there a lot for swim meets, but when you go for swim meet, you're really the pool, the hotel, and food. That's pretty much what you see wherever you go. (laughs) You know, even the Olympics, that's all that I saw. So, um, but the idea versus the reality, the idea of Vegas and the reality, very, very different for me. And even recently, I had this idea with the holidays of, hey, I want to go to San Francisco, go to the city for the day, wouldn't that be great? And then I I had, I was out of town and I'd come home and we were eating downtown in our small little town and, you know, all the pretty lights are up and, and there weren't that many people. I was like, why would I want to go to San Francisco? Like, I could just spend the day in our downtown, you know, town mm-hmm. and have a great time. And I remember all of a sudden last year having that same thought of, I need to go to San Francisco for the holidays but that giving myself that gift of the ordinary in my town of milling around, maybe going to movies, you know, eating food, just kind of hanging out for the day and how fun that was without the hustle of bustle of driving into the city, finding parking, try to figure out what to do. The, that gap between the idea versus the reality and getting clear, is that idea something that I really want? Mm, what do I want? That's the powerful question that we can navigate our lives by if we're willing to be patient with it. And if we're willing to separate out other people's desires, the cultural story, the Facebook story, you know, all the different things that we aren't even conscious. Because remember, 95% of our operating system, so to speak, is in the unconscious. Uh, And I don't mean the Jungian unconscious. I mean like the brain's unconscious. Like we're not conscious of it. Mm -hmm. We have very little, like our, it's imagine this, I think of this gigantic ocean and the conscious mind is like two drops on the surface or a little wavelet. And so all of those things are feeding into that idea or ideal, which is fed to us also in the personal growth community so many times a day, you know, do this, do that, and then you'll be the ideal. So we do have to run it through our own deep heart and trust ourselves. And, and boy, I can, I can say a lot about that because it's not easy to do. But I want to say one thing I want to go back for just a second, which I think there's a little bit of the difference between the gap idea and the idea in reality. Okay. In that the gap, I think they can be the same thing. There's definitely overlap. But for me, the gap is, oh, I really want to write this book I'm writing. And that is the place that I want to get to. But the place that I am right now is thousands and thousands of words in little spurts and spats. (laughs) There's not a lot of connection. And what's the book really about? That's reality. So how do I live in that place between the reality of what I've got right now and the the finished book that I want to hold in my hand someday? How do I live there? Or how do I live in the reality of uh, um, my mind going blank in this moment and not having another good example? So I think when we get back to the beginning of the conversation, the projections that people have, it's also they just don't want to be in the gap between where they think they want to be and they may really want to be maybe a successful business or maybe they want to have a radio show like you or or a successful swim team like you have. Um, 
and the reality of their lives and the work and the, t- and the growth and the learning that really has to happen, which is where life happens. Does, does that, can you see the difference there? No, I can totally see okay. the difference. Cause there's, and thanks for pointing that out. Cause there's the idea and the reality the thing that we think we want. And then when we get clear about what we want, yes. the word that comes to me is it's the grind right? The grind of writing a book, the grind of putting out a weekly show, the gr- grind of working with clients, whatever it is, building a business. Um, there's we want to skip over that. And if we yeah. can project onto other people, then we're like, oh, there is no grind. Mm-hmm. And that's what pisses me off about so many of the personal growth people who sell a story that there is no grind. <laughs> All right, speak it. <laughs> well, Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of people who use the, it's going to be effortless. If it's not easy, it's not meant to be. Just make your vision map and it will all fall into place magically. And I think for some, I think that's very much the exception to the rule. It's lovely when that happens. It's lovely when a day goes the way you want. It's lovely when you get a phone call from a client, uh, or a TV producer, or whatever your dream is, and you didn't do anything for it. But those are the exceptions. And to market to us as if that is the rule, or you can make that the rule, is to do a great disservice to the to to us as humans, and to make us feel disempowered. And oh, now we now need to go buy more of your stuff because we must not be getting it right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's my rant. Thank you. <laughs> No, no, that, that I do think that there is those, there, there are those magical moments, but those magical moments come because of a lot of preparation. Yes. Like, you know, um, it's like luck is equal to is the product of preparation, right? And, yeah. and the right timing. Um, and it's about you showing up, but you have to actually go out there and do stuff. And then things do like if I, if I take myself back to like five or 10 years ago and somebody had said, Oh my gosh, you're going to, you know, do this do a bunch of a series of shows with Jen Loudon, I'd be like, how would that be possible? Mm-hmm. Right. But I've been in the grind of my radio show. We've, we've connected in various ways. You were on my show a number of years ago and then we reconnected, I think the summer and fall. And then here you are, you know, doing the show. And I feel so blessed to be able to have this opportunity. Um, but there was a lot of little things that happened to create that. And there's that grind and the fact that I do have a radio show and it is, it is something that happens every week. Um, but I think it goes back to that grind part that we need to focus on instead of, oh, it's just effortless. I don't yes. know. Yes. I, 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 and then we go back to the projections and we get in trouble. We lose our power and we lose our energy for the grind when we project onto other people. They've got some magic answer or, oh, they don't have, you know, I do it too. I mean, I, I do these guest posts on my blog every other Sunday and I ask women basically, like, how do you create your life? And the last one was a novelist friend of mine, Jeannie Shortridge. Jenny Shortridge. I always want to call her Jeannie. And she wrote about being depressed. And um, I wrote this little thing before. And I always write, like, a little introduction. And I'm like, wow, when I first met her, I thought, that someone's got it all together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, we all do it. But we have to keep catching it because we lose so much awareness and power when we do it. But I also want to say that I decided, I came up with a term, I think it came to me in yoga a month or two ago, and and the term is compassionate grit. And grit without compassion is just grind, is what I thought to myself. 
And what I realize is when we have a lot of compassion for ourselves and, and the ability to really be present with our what, what we're experiencing versus our story about our experience, we can stay with the grind so much more. You know, it's a growth mindset has mm-hmm. to have compassion mm-hmm. or it's just hectoring. It's the difference between the swim coach who's like, who made my sweet husband quit swimming when he was a kid headed, you know, on the Olympic track. He was so good because the coach was horrible. He was a screamer. He Mm -hmm. was a shamer Mm -hmm. versus, and we don't want that voice inside of us. There will be nothing happening if that's all we have, because we'll quit on ourselves. You know, we have to have that compassionate, but that growth, that wonderful, loving inner mother, father voice. Versus the inner critic. Yeah, or the inner shamer, the inner bad coach, or whatever you want to call it, right? Mm-hmm. We all have a lot. We have those voices, but we have to have a we have to learn to have a more skillful relationship with them. And I think it's trickier than it sounds. And I know it's taken me years to have that relationship um, and have a positive relationship and not believe the various stories that flit through my head so fast that make me want to quit things when they're difficult. So share those various stories. Well, I had the pleasure and also the curse of being successful when I was young. My first book was a bestseller and it was the the woman's comfort book and it was the right book at the right time. And I worked hard to support it. It was a much simpler time, way pre-internet. And nobody was really talking about self-care in the way that I talked about it in that book. But then it became a story, you know, 10 years later uh, when things weren't happening so big and I wasn't getting calls from Oprah and I wasn't getting calls to do corporate gigs for $10,000 a day. Oh my God, I shouldn't have to work. I shouldn't have to market myself. This shouldn't be so hard. Um, You know, it's like, it was like the reverse instead of working for your success and kind of getting and going, wow, look what I did. It was like, I got it and I should keep having it. So it became really hard for me to tease out that there is no shoulds. There is no sense of entitlement that helps us grow. The point is to keep doing work I care about and share it with people as effectively as I can. End of story. And I had a wonderful conversation with a friend, Susan Piver, who's at the Open Heart Project. And she's gently pointed out to me, and this was years ago, that I was comparing myself to the younger me. I wasn't comparing myself to someone else, but it was just as just the same kind of projection thing we're talking about, right? I should still have the life and the experiences and the success and the reach that I had then. And that was poisoning me. It was poisoning my happiness and my work. And when I got over that, man, I just dug in like, okay, what do I need to learn? How can we make it fun? But what do I want? To, what do I want? That other thread of our conversation. What do I want to create versus this sort of insidious story of what should I create to be successful again? Mm-hmm. To yeah. Get, to, get to get back. back. On, yeah. To get back on that couch. Exactly. It's so tricky and it's so fascinating because it's everything out there in the world, if we're not careful, is nudging us to believe that, to believe that you're successful if only these certain things happen. You know, and how do you measure? I mean, so there's the cat, there's the couch, and then I'm sure you get lots of emails, and then the retreats that you work with, and you know, you just how, how do you measure that email where you've changed somebody's life? Yeah, you can't, you can't because you're not in their heads, and you never will be. So 
you, you know, to me, the, what I can do is I can pause and really open my heart and take that in. And I can tell the voices that may come up at the same time, oh, you don't really know, or you should have done this instead, or whatever those different critical Greek chorus likes to say. I'm sorry if you hear one of my, oh no, one of the dogs is in here with me. <laughs> Hello, Stuart, we're not playing right now. He is, you know, not a puppy, but he sure acts like one. I had, <laughs> that was considered that a little visit from Stuart, everybody. <laughs> That's <laughs> very cute. <laughs> Michelle Woodward, who's my other co-host, her dogs uh, like to be a part of the show as well. So the listeners are used to that. Okay. I went in the other room, so hopefully we can avoid them for a little while. <laughs> There's two of them and they could start to bark. Um, so what were we talking about? Well, <laughs> so that's okay. So I want to go into like the myths of perfection. Like okay. what do you see as some of the myths out there of perfection in the personal growth world? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're asking me about enough. Yeah, that's a perfect segue. I think the myths of perfection... A lot of it is, again, this idea that you're going to get somewhere and that it's a static place. I mean, perfection is a static idea. It's not a changing idea. It's not an aliveness. There's no aliveness to perfection. There's no future to perfection. Where do you go after you're perfect? I mean, just think about it. It's a very deadening idea. And I think we're sold it. It's implied a lot that that's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to achieve if you do this diet or if you do these affirmations or if you do this um, program. Mm -hmm. So I think it's in the implied ideal. And it's very gross when you really stop and think about it because it's not unique to you. It's not alive. It's not learning it's a, it's a end in itself. You know, I was just, as you're saying that, um, I was thinking about that, that promise that's made, right? If you do this program perfectly, if you follow this book and follow everything that I tell you to eat, then you will be X, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think about that. And, you know, when I work with my weight loss coaching clients, my, my comment to them is, you know, have we figured out that simple bolt, uh, blueprint on how to cure cancer right and but why do we think that losing weight is going to be this simple blueprint everybody is unique and then the idea of following something perfectly well life gets in the way right i mean just like what you've experienced this week with your computer life gets (laughs) in the way we we may have these great plans and then how do you actually implement how do you incorporate things into your life and live it versus doing it perfectly i think perfect perfection is a way in the personal development world, and you can tell me what you think about this, but is a way to like whoever, the, if it's a reader or a person who buys a program or whatever, to say, oh, see, I'm not going to take responsibility for this. If you can't do this totally perfectly, there's something wrong with you. It's not the program. Yes. And I think it's a way that we let ourselves off the hook from trying. I had a, a dear old friend was visiting yesterday from the East Coast, and we I took her to my favorite yoga class that I go to every Wednesday at 9.30. And afterwards, she was like, wow, it was so interesting. It was a hard class this time. It's not always hard. And she said, it was so interesting to watch how often I wanted to quit. And I was like, yeah, I know that place. And so I think the, the, the flip side of what you just said is it also gives us as the user of a technology or an idea or a program a way out. 
when it's not mm-hmm. going perfectly, right? So it's kind of mm-hmm. a double-edged mm-hmm. sword. Maybe people use it to market to us, but maybe we also read into it. Oh, I'm not doing it right. I'm not getting fast enough results. I mean, I'm sure you've had clients that oh, are yeah. dieting. <laughs> I just was having to have a little conversation with myself about that this morning. <laughs> One of the favorite things that I send out to my clients is this diagram I have of what success looks like, right? We all think it's the straight line and it's actually this wiggly, uh, road and it's very windy. And then Patty Dye and I a couple of years ago had this talk about, I don't know, the it was probably another thing, a conversation about success. And she wound up writing a blog post and connecting our interview with it. But it was like climbing up to the top of the mountain, right? You're going, you're going. And once you get to the top, you can look down and you can see the clear path. But as you're climbing the hill, it's not a clear path and it's windy. And, and that's okay, but you'll get to the top of the hill. So you'll get to that outcome but it may be longer than you expected. It may be windier. You may hit some dead ends and have to turn back. I always say, I com- I completely agree. And I always say when I tell different stories from my life when I'm teaching, I always say, and I didn't know this at the time. This is a story that has become clear to me years after the fact. And I think it's a moral obligation for people who are reflecting on their lives in a personal growth setting to keep reminding people of that, as well as to keep reminding us that this is going to be different for you. I can't, I, I, it makes me so mad when I see people selling something and it's like, if you do this, you'll have the same results I did. Well, that's impossible. I'm not you. <laughs> You know, and people do it in the business world all the time, you know, do this, do this, do this. And sure, there's certain pieces of it, like how to set up MailChimp that are good for you to teach me that are replicable. But so much of it's going to be, it's a lot of intangibles that are unique to us. That's what, that's what makes it interesting. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I totally agree with you. And I, I notice that the more that I can deeply embrace the story that change is a wiggly twisty, dead-end sometimes path, the more progress I make. You know, when I'm, because I I got thin for my wedding last summer, and then I got thin. For me, it's about a 10-pound difference. And I'm small. I'm only 5'3". So, you know, 10 pounds is a lot on me. And then I I lost weight again this summer because I had to do a special diet for some health stuff. So it was a really restrictive on sugar, no sugar, no carbs, basically. But then as soon as I didn't have to do that diet anymore, I ate everything and <laughs> As of course we do when we've been restricting ourselves and kind of, you know, using our willpower. And I needed to do it that way. But now I'm like, I don't need to do that anymore. Now, how do I want to lose weight so that I can wear my clothes again? <laughs> don't have to go buy a whole new wardrobe. And it's not going to be in that trajectory perfect day after day way because it's not sustainable but the more I can embrace that as I ate a piece of bread last night at dinner with great gusto (laughs) (laughs) um, the more it'll happen with this great sense of compassion so here's my question do we need to live perfectly in order to have growth and to live our full lives oh isn't that silly I mean, no, because it's impossible to live perfectly and it's boring to boot. (laughs) I, you know, no, I think no, 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 no. (laughs) But I think, isn't that part of the struggle that so many people have? Yeah. I mean, I was having the conversation with myself last night eating that bread, like, Jennifer, you said you were going to do this and that. And it's like, whoa, calm down. 
we're out to dinner with a friend who we see very rarely and and then we're going to enjoy this piece of bread and then I ask the waitress to take the rest of the bread away and I'm, we're not going to beat ourselves up. So if I would have stayed with the perfect story, I promise you I would have eaten the entire plate of bread. So yesterday I was using this method. I can't say the, all of it because the radio station won't allow it, but it's called the CTFD method. Calm the F down. Uh, okay. <laughs> and you can use this for parenting. And, and, and I forgot about it. And um, I'd read about it. I don't know. It was like in the Huffington Post a long time ago. And then yesterday, oh, I know where this started. I bought this day planner. And when I was in Montana this summer, I somehow came across this day planner and got caught up in the hype of it. So I bought it. And I have my system. I have my iCal and then I have a spiral notebook. It's an old journal of mine that I open up and I, I kind of map out all my to-dos for the week on these two pages. Works perfectly. Why I decided that I needed this day planner. <laughs> and it's creating all this anxiety. I'm part of this Facebook group. And I mean, there's like WASI tape and there's all these different pens and there's highlighters. And I've been oh, looking. Oh, no. Oh, yes. no. <laughs> I was like, I don't have, it. you know, and I spent, uh, I spent, I was six hours of coaching on Monday and Tuesday each day. I don't have you know, multiple hours to spend decorating a day planner, right? I need to know, like, what are the few things that I have to get done that are deadline driven? So finally, yesterday morning, before I got on the calls with clients, I said, CTFD, Corinne, you know, just calm down. Just because they do it that way doesn't mean I have to do it. And doing the journal perfectly or the day planner perfectly is not going to necessarily lead to a better business for me, no. right? No. Where no. do I want to spend my energy? Right. And I was like, well, I can just use it as a to do list. And I might, you know, it'll be interesting, Jen. We'll have to see. I may at some point just throw away this planner. I'd say throw away now. <laughs> just throw it away now. But can you send me that tape stuff? Because I really like that. <laughs> it's really fun for art projects. <laughs> I totally understand. I, I, this, the ability to wake up, this is what I call life navigation, right? It's the ability mm -hmm. to wake up and I can feel it when I say it in my body completely. It's the ability to wake up over and over again to what's true for me right now. What do I trust? What do I desire right now? And I, it does get easier the more you do it. It does get easier the older I get. But we have to have ways to keep remembering and waking up. And people who keep us remembering and waking up, or we're going to get caught in the new planning system or you know, the new program over here that everybody else is doing. And we have to have a lot of mercy with ourselves, but we, ha we need support or it's, it's hard. It's hard to keep listening to ourselves because we, we are going to go against the stream. Okay. I want to come back to that support, but something you just said that what's right for me right now, you know, what do I desire right now? That can be applied to with you with food. Oh, yes. Right. I mean, that's one of the things that I, with, with my clients and I'm constantly like, it's not about the diet. What do you need? What is your body hunger for? what works in your body, right? And, and then if you can, if you have that, if you're like, hey, I really want this piece of bread and then enjoy it, that's where your units of energy can be. And then it, you can use your energy somewhere else that you're using on, should I eat it? Should I not? What am I doing, right? But when we can really just be present with our food. Oh, be present with our food. That alone is huge because mm -hmm. we have so much baggage with it. I've had so much baggage around it because of health stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, and as that, those health restrictions have been lifted, it's like, I, again, I was saying to my friend who was visiting yesterday, I'm like, I can eat whatever I want 
Now, not without gaining weight, but just mm-hmm. from a health perspective. Mm-hmm. And so now the question becomes, how do I have a relationship with food that is pleasurable and slowing down and actually tasting it instead of this deep gobbling that I have done for years because I'm so afraid that I'm not going to be able to get to the food that I'm allowed to eat and I'm not going to have enough of it. So you would think that I was like, I'd been in jail or mm-hmm. been a slave sometimes the way that I eat. So yes, desire and what do I want and how do I trust myself is the universal application code for our businesses, for our families, for our creativity, for our diet, for our health. It is. And it's there and we can develop the ability to find it, but we're not going to develop it if we're out there looking for perfection in somebody else's directions. Mm-hmm. It's just not. They can be beginnings and you take a little bit of something that we're saying today and go, oh, yes, I like that. And put that in your in your little pouch, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or your little backpack or your fanny pack, if you like one. <laughs> well, and uh, then disregard the rest. And I call that nuggets, right? Mm. What nuggets can you take and then implement them in your life? So uh, a client this week, she had said that she had read um, Gretchen Rubin's Project Happiness book. And Gretchen's been on the show a couple times and and um, and she really liked the book. She devoured it last Sunday, loved it. And she said, but Gretchen's suggestions were just too overwhelming for her, mm-hmm. right? Like she's like, there's all these lists and there's all these things you have to do and daily and stuff. And um and she's, and then she finally came down to, cause we've worked a lot about t- what nuggets can you apply? And she said, I think the thing I want to do is kind of focus on what's the theme for the month, mm. you know, and then how can I in- incorporate that? Right. And that, that for her feels better. And that's because we've worked on that with food. Like, what is it that you want to have and how do you incorporate that instead of going, there's not enough? How do you enjoy what it is that you eat? Whether it's a piece of, you know, a bread or a cookie or cake, whatever it is enjoying it instead of in what happens so often is we get into that story like you like to talk about and mm-hmm. we get into it triggers our scarcity mindset right it's the story of there's never going to be enough oh or, or the story that i'm i can eat it now because i'm not going to be able to eat it later because mm-hmm. it can make me, you know whatever i have all kinds of twisted versions of it mm-hmm. yes yes and i think that points the gretchen rubin story points to another thing which is in these times unprecedented historical times of information available to us. <laughs> yes. We are so oversaturated. We don't give ourselves a time to say, okay, I read that book. That was fun. Now, just like I did in school, let me go through and decide what do I need to retain? And I watch my sweet husband. He reads, he has a morning ritual. He does his little yoga practice. He calls it stroga, stretching and yoga together. And then he makes himself his Americano on his little espresso machine. And then he goes and gets under the covers on the couch and he reads something spiritual. Um, And he reads all the way through making little notes in the book in his tiny, tiny handwriting. And then he goes back through and reads over those notes again. And he integrates it, you know, and maybe he doesn't apply it. And, you know, it's still more than the nugget idea, but he really doesn't just breeze through it. So it's, and I am trying to learn to do that. Like we take in so much, but then it just washes away. Mm -hmm. And I love that your client read the book and went, okay, one idea, I'm going to use it because that's realistic. That's not perfection. Perfection would be, I'm going to do everything in the book. (laughs) And a week later or a month at the most, total mayhem total self-loathing. It didn't work. I'm such a failure. Yeah. 
instead of, oh, right, no, I'm a human and I have a full life and I'm not just doing the happiness project. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was that was Gretchen's goal, right? And that was, yes, there was a it was purpose. Her whole, her whole life, her mm-hmm. whole business. <laughs> Yeah. And that would, that could be her top priority. Whereas my client, she has her work and she has other stuff to do. So it's yeah. not her top priority. Right. Yeah. Um, so then the other thing I want to circle back to that you had said earlier was about support, right? Mm-hmm. Having the support. So knowing what's, what's true for me right now and what, you know, what do I deserve right now? And then having the support. Can you elaborate more about the support? Well, I think support can come in many forms, but the kind of support I'm talking about is consciously framed from the beginning to be a kind of support that helps you keep track of your patterns, the things that you're going to fall asleep to or fall into. Every single one of us have a lot of them. And I'm sure even the Dalai Lama has some. And they're go- this person or group or persons in different places in your life and are going to help you see those patterns So what it looks like, it could look like a friend. So a very simple example, let's say you're trying to write and you know your pattern is to give up when it gets hard and to throw away your dream because you're taking care of everybody else instead of giving yourself that 15 or 20 minutes a day. So the pattern, you're going to talk about what that pattern might look like. You're going to get familiar with it with, say, a writing buddy. And then you're going to set up some very lower your standards. I can do it even if, you know, the kid is throwing up goals that you're going to keep and with a time like three times a day, uh, three times a week or whatever it's going to look like. And then that writing buddy is going to help you stay not accountable, but be really curious when you don't do it, which is very different. Accountability is like mommy, daddy energy mm-hmm. and curious about why you're not doing it is pattern energy. And that's what we want to keep bringing to that little tiny conscious wavelet, <laughs> the top of our whole big mind that we're not aware of all the fears and all the stories about why we're not doing this simple thing of writing three times a week. Um, So I have friends like that for different patterns. And then I have a group that I've been part of, of other entrepreneurs, but we've become dear friends. And now we really keep track of each other's patterns much more than talk about business stuff. And we still talk about business stuff and brainstorm stuff. But one of, you know, the patterns they've helped me break are partnering with people who do less work and do less marketing. And I end up being the big hero, but getting burned out and really resentful. I break that pattern. Mm -hmm. Um, They've helped me break the pattern of belittling my gifts and thinking less of myself. Um, They've helped me break the pattern of, I'm almost there, (laughs) of (laughs) over providing when I teach, of giving way more than I can for the amount I'm charging, you know, just because of the flow of time money thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, so I, I just think support, there's a reason why in all of our wisdom and religious traditions, there's a sangha or a a prayer group, or I'm trying to think of an example from Judaism. Um, You know, there's a reason why, because we need accountability. We need other eyes to be seeing us with compassion and love, but with honesty and saying, oh, you know, I realize that you didn't write this week. I wonder what's up. You know, you were supposed to check in with me on Thursday. What happened with that? Just so curious, loving you so much. You know, that kind of energy. I, lo- I love how you change the way accountability is, right? Versus that parental account- accountability. Because yeah, what are we going to do with that? We're going to rebel against it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
we're going to be like, you know, forget that. But if someone's like in our corner with us and we're in their corner, because of course we'd much rather give than receive. We'd all much rather give than receive, except for the narcissist among us, which probably aren't listening to this show. Um, yeah. So to have a corner or a few people in your corner that are really rooting for you and you're rooting for them and they're helping you to see and discern. And I, it isn't always easy to find these people. And sometimes we have to train each other to do it because it's not advice giving, right? And girlfriends can be so good at advice giving. And that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about someone saying, well, let me tell you what you should do so you could get your writing done. Because, <laughs> oh boy, is that annoying <laughs> and not helpful because we're not going to listen to anybody's advice in the end but our own. Because that's what happens. Let's go back to the beginning of the show. That's what happens when we buy one of the perfectionism programs where mm-hmm. we don't end up doing it. We end up rebelling against it and blaming the program leader or the writer or whomever because they were telling us what to do. And it has to come from within us for it to really stick. That's been my experience. Oh, I so agree with you. I I, because I do rebel about accountability. (laughs) And even when I talk with my group with the circle, when we first start and I set up the boundaries of the group, you know, when I talk about accountability, I say, you know, it's not about me coming and saying, you're not doing X or you're not doing Y. Accountability is having holding the space for you to show up and for you to do the work and process. Um, Because I was once a college professor where I graded stuff and I had that, but here I'm a member of your team. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And, and if you're not showing up, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk, let, you know, and to be able, we have so much shame um, in our culture about when we don't do things the way we said that we would. And one of the things that I really work on my people with when I work in them in all kinds of different settings, both writing and life navigation and teaching, is to keep looking at what were the actual promises you made to yourself? Were they specific? Would you even know it if you met it, if you finished it, if you completed it, if you fulfilled it? And if you did meet it or fulfill it and complete it, did you stop to notice that you did so? So often we set a goal that's either way out of, it's inhuman. It's, so we, maybe we can do it once or twice. Let's say it's to work out every single day. Stop, stop <laughs> right there. What about the day you get sick? What about the day that, like I, the day I had, day before yesterday when I woke up, came home from a four-day trip to the East Coast and came and turned on my computer and it's dead. dead and I have all of these things due oh no I did not get to yoga class (laughs) at four o'clock I was on the ferry taking the computer to the apple store Mm -hmm. so if I make commitments like that then I'm always going to be heaping the story on myself that I'm a loser and I can't be trusted but if I make really doable commitments and then when I have to break one I sit there and go well what happened let's look at that what do we need to adjust oh that's a one time thing that's probably not going to happen we can probably keep that 4 o'clock yoga class as a promise to ourselves so what came into my mind just now is when you can hear Jen Loudon saying that look I am not perfect right there's a flow and sometimes there I have these plans and then computers die and then the plans get changed and so maybe sometimes the commitments that I have for myself don't get met it's not because you are trying to hide from yourself or deceit yourself life happens yeah life happens life happens and you can still be successful in your life you can still be accomplished in your life without being perfect I think that's the other big thing that I want the listeners to realize 
I would actually say you will be accomplished and happy <laughs> in your life if you don't try to be perfect. The perfection, it's, it's a uniquely feminine thing, too, that we put on ourselves. Instead of the story being, how can I dive into life? How can I savor this experience? How can I learn and fail? Somehow we've turned the story into how can I get it done and get it done right and put a bow on it mm-hmm. and sit there and smiling like a good girl. You know, it's a very deadening story, and it's not really a story that I see men having in the same way. I I see them having a much more swashbuckling sort of hero's journey story, and I want that story for us. Yeah, that would be beautiful. Um, So I want to, because we have a few more minutes left to talk about this, and so for the listeners out there, how can they... What do you think about them letting go of this perfection? I mean, one of the things that I always ask myself is what is true for me, right? Or what is it that I want? Or do I, I question a lot of times of, is this something that I believe, Mm. right? And then I think about like um, with the holidays or with any kind of thing where there's a lot of society judgment or thought is, well, what do I want? What do I want this to mean? Right. What what's important to me instead of how should it look like? Right. That judgment word. I don't do well with judgment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't think any of us do, but we we overlook the fact that we're talking to ourselves that way. Yes, because there's. I mean, when you say the word should, right? There's judgment implied in there. And there's power. There, you're putting your power to choose your life and to choose your reactions to things that happen, like a computer dying out there with the great they, right? Mm-hmm. What do they think? Well, who's shoulding? Who's the should coming from? It's coming from some source outside of you. Mm-hmm. Just linguistically, isn't that fascinating? It's very fascinating. So anyway, you had a question. Though. So the question is, is what do you recommend for the listeners about letting go of this idea of perfection, right? How can, so we, we've talked a lot about it, but how can they let go of perfection? Hmm. Well, you know, I like one of the most profound ideas that I've come up with is um, the idea of satisfaction and that satisfaction lives in your declarations of what is enough. And if you don't learn how to declare what is enough and what will satisfy you, you will never experience it. And it's a quick path to perfectionism and giving your power away and being susceptible to new shiny planners. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Or the new, you know, the new exercise thing. And it's not that you don't want to try new things, but it's that this is going to save you, right? Yes. That's the story you want to be on the lookout for. So just to take that idea, to start asking in these moments when you feel driven to make 17 dishes for Christmas dinner, or when you feel driven to stay up all night, you know, making some handmade little gifts for all your neighbors or decorating the tree and every little bow, every little branch gets a little bow or whatever your thing is. Um, stop and ask yourself, what would satisfy me? What would satisfy me? Now, this is not easy. Because immediately all this other stuff in history is going to come swirling in of it's sometimes incredible how blind we are to how we're being run by our history, by our, our family story, by our cultural story. But just to begin to ask, what would satisfy me? If, if, if it does it really, could it really just live in me? And I know some of you listeners are going to say, but wait, I have a boss or wait, I have a family. But you still need to declare it for you so then you can be in negotiation with those other people. And when you automatically defer to their standards, often 
have standards that have not been named or expressed to you, I will point out. They usually live in your head, but let's say they have been named and expressed to you. You still can take your power back to negotiate for what would be enough. Enough at the job, enough writing that report, enough making the Christmas dinner. Well, and I think when you can stand in your power, you're going to be rooted in your own well-being or your whole own wholeheartedness, right? So you can really show up. And then from there, you can negotiate the gray area between you and the existence of others. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what research is showing us? I mean, there, there's actually being research done into what it's called in the personal, uh, in the positive psychology world, satisfying or satisfaction. And, um, there's the research is showing that you get more done, you enjoy your life more, that perfectionism or trying to be amazing at everything is so draining and leads so quickly to burnout. But this is a very, it's very frightening to some people because it is about taking ownership of your own life. And it's saying, you know what? No, in fact, I am satisfied with, um, for example, for me this year, I have what I call outlaws. They're from my first marriage. <laughs> and they're in-laws, former in-laws who I love. And they send us gifts every year. I hate to shop. I get completely <laughs> overwhelmed in a store. I start to almost have a panic attack. It is not a pleasurable experience for me at all. I usually last about 15 minutes. Like in anthropology, I'm like, okay, quick, find your shirt find a shirt. <laughs> it's just, I'm not good with a lot of sensory input. I'm a sensitive person. So I get freaked out every year and sending them gifts. Well, a while ago, I decided to just send them my favorite books of the year that I thought they would like. Well, I've stopped buying things from Amazon because of uh -huh. their policy of how they employ and pay a lot of their, um, their fulfillment people. So it's like, okay, I can still do books. And I'm like, no, you know what? I'm doing this because she does it. This is not me. So I made a donation to Women to Women International. They allow you to send a really nice card with a personal note. Done. Are they going to be satisfied with that? Probably not so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it lives in me. It lives in my values. And my stress level went way down. And my money went to something that I really care about. And they don't need books. They're not a, you know, they're a comfortable family who can buy what they need. Mm -hmm. Is that an example? Does that make any sense? That makes total sense. And I think that's just really good for example for the listeners to think about, right? Because I know with the holidays and stuff, um, this show, we're taping it before the holidays, but people will hear it after. But it can be one of those nuggets or those seeds that get planted. Um, my kids, I did a bunch of shopping around Thanksgiving and stuff, and I bought some shoes, and then I bought a pair of boots. And I don't even know, Jen, what color these boots are. I can't remember if they're the brown ones or the black ones. And here's the thing. I've been so busy. They've been sitting in my bedroom for about two weeks in the actual shipping box. Like I haven't had time to open them, right? And the idea was I was going to try them on. If I really like them, then have my family buy me the other pair of boots, which is all ridiculous because I pay for it in the end. Um, but so I was thinking about this this week and my kids have told me that I'm really hard to shop for and I buy my presents anyways and, you know, and stuff doesn't really matter so much to me. But, um, and I hate the idea of just giving a link. So then the other day I said, oh my gosh, you know what I really, really want? And this is not something that I can buy for myself. And I said, what I really want, because I have two daughters, one's 14, one's 13, and, and we've, our house has been remodeled for 13 years. Oh my God. And... I have this wall in this hallway that I've always envisioned hanging family photos. It's still empty. Oh. 
So I said, how about the three of us during the break work on this, you know, and get them, get, get the prints made. And that's where I'd like to spend our time and energy. And that's what I want for Christmas. Right. And so, you know, and I've really over the last few days been getting really grounded. That would mean for me would be awesome. And to be able to spend it with my kids that time, it would give us, you know, something to focus on during the holidays. Right. And then it would be something that I really, you know, that creating that kind of space is not something that is really ordinary for me. Right. 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 Versus versus going to Nordstrom's and buying a pair of boots that, you know, to send my husband to Nordstrom's, you know how much pain and suffering he will have. Yes. Yes. I love this. I love this. How do we keep unraveling? I mean, that's just, oh, stop the dogs. That's fine. Stop. Stuart, we're not unraveling you. We're unraveling (laughs) something else entirely. Come here. Come here and and be quiet. Um, How do we keep, to me, let me just start again. To me, this is such a great example of when we're willing to get clear on what we want, then we can have conversations with people that can change maybe things that are shoulds for them that we are unknowingly creating or reinforcing. Um, yes, it just opens up this whole freedom, a freedom in a family or freedom in a business or, or whatever. I love it. It's a great story. And I think that for women is really important. I know like with a lot of the women that I work with, in one of the things during the holiday season, I'm taking the time off. My husband's not. I've totally accepted it because he's a swim coach and this is when they do their dog days of training. Um, and that, and I grew up in that. So I understand that, but I'm taking, you know, the two weeks off. And, um, so I, my, my focus on the holidays is really about connection. Well, so me shopping at stores is not about connection, right? right? Going to the mall. That's very lonely for me. Yes. And awful. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and then the other thing is that, so we're not going to do, you know, the big, we, I may go with a girlfriend to San Francisco for the day. We may still do that, but you know, what can we do? And so I said, Hey, I want to go into another town. That's Sacramento, the bigger, the bigger city in my little area and eat. And my husband has this rule. He's like, I just want to eat in our little town, right? He wants to give the money back to our community mm-hmm, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were actually making some plans today because I was saying, this is what I would like. And he was saying, this is what he would like. And how do we negotiate it Yes, between the two of us? Yeah, but you can't negotiate if you're not talking. If you don't take the time to know what you want or to own it or for it to be comfortable. And when I work with women in the life navigation course, what I find over and over again is how frightening it is to just know in your own heart what it is you want. Yes. It's so frightening for women to own their desires. And I think that happens for a lot of reasons, uh, including, you know, the way our brains are structured and the way our culture has told us that women who desire are, are you know, bad. Um, but it's, you know, your story is just a great example of what can happen and the easing and and how much of our lives are overwhelming to us because we're not owning what we want Mm -hmm. and we're not we're we're listening to outside stuff it's that myth of perfection in this personal development world if i have the perfect christmas card we're going to look like x if my decorations are up then i'm gonna you know all of these things when really what is it like for me again it goes back to what i want from this holiday season is connection i want to be with people i want to be by myself i want to be with my family and i want to be with my friends yes and so now you know that and you can filter things through that, knowing it's still not going to be perfect and that mm-hmm. sometimes you're not going to get the connection or you're going to have to let go of connecting with some people because you can't connect with everybody because mm-hmm. we're human. Yep. That's the other thing I can't stand about perfection. It, it It's a machine myth. It's a story that I can be like a computer, not my flawed human <laughs> self. 
Yes. Well, Jed, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking today. I love having these conversations with you. Oh, I love having them with you. And thank you so much for letting me rant about the things that I care about. It's really wonderful. They're really important. And tell me, what is the name of your latest book? Ah, A Year of Daily Joy. It's from National Geographic. It's a beautiful guided journal. Uh, as few pages of quotes and then a page of a, a prompt to think about or write about something or make art about something that is about authenticity or courage or um, faith. It has 12 different themes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's well, cool. I, I will have links in the show notes to your book. So thank you. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Isn't Jen just lovely? One of the things that I wanted to wrap up with is the talk about uncertainty, right? She talked about it in The Gap early on, and it's that uneasiness of uncertainty. And one of the things that I work with my clients is letting go of uncertainty means that we need to work on trusting our own intuition and having faith, right? And there's also about that, that bit about asking what is it that we want, getting clear with that and putting giving ourselves permission to ask for what we want. And whether that's for me to say, hey, this is what I'd really like for Christmas, right? The easy thing would be in a sense to go buy the boots or order, give them the link and order it online. But this is what I'd really want. And the other side is that my kids want that too, to be able to put up family pictures and to be able to be a part of the process. As a 14 and 13 year old, they definitely want to be a part of that now versus when they were younger and to make our home just that much more rich, right? A treasure. One of my clients called it, I keep forgetting the name, but a treasure place. Um, it was so beautiful. Too bad I can't remember it. But so letting go of that is learning how to trust ourselves, learning how to listen, what is it we want? And then letting go of the perfection in that we can say, I think this is what I want, or I think this is what I want for my birthday or for this special day or for my wedding or for my career. And how can I test it out? And so for me, you know, you are going to be hearing this show after the holidays. So I invite you to really think about, okay, what was, what was it that I wanted? Did I get it? And did it measure up to what I thought? And what can I tweak for next year? Right. And reflect about that. And that's that accountability piece that Jen was talking about earlier. It's about reflecting and asking ourselves those compassionate questions and holding the space so we can really be honest with ourselves. What are the things that we really liked and we want to continue on? And what are the things we want to throw out? And what are those things that we want to tweak just a little bit? They're not horrible. They're not great. But maybe a little tweaking in them will make them better. So this is about personal self-awareness. You've heard a lot about that on the show. And it's about going inside and finding out what matters to me. And you can use the show or books or, you know, friendships, support, whatever as nuggets. You can go to conferences and get inspired. And those are nuggets where you can get new ideas or maybe somebody will say something that will trigger something deep within you. I've had that happen. How about you? And then you go about applying these things to your life and taking action, right? And that's something that sometimes I get, I love to learn and I have this huge curiosity in the world and I start to notice I get frustrated because I've been so learning so much, I need to go and do, right? And I love the show because we can have these insightful conversations. You can be doing it while you're cleaning your house, driving in the car, working out, you know, going for a walk. There's so many different ways that you listen to the show. Isn't that the beauty of this, right? You can listen to it. And then how are you applying it in your life? What nuggets are you taking and trying to interweave? 
What are the things that are important and what are the things that you can throw away? You know, as I go through like my my list of interviews and what were the takeaways that I had? I mean, we talk about Carol Dweck. I mean, shoot, Jen talked about, you know, growth mindset. That's from Carol Dweck, right? Just understanding the concept of growth mindset and fixed mindset and that the thoughts that we think can create the results in our life, right? Do we want to be a learner or do we want to make things mean that it's not possible? Right. So there's so many things, there's so much information out there, but how, what is it that you want? What's important to you? And focus on that. Have the courage to talk about it and then circle back and check in. Like, was, did, did this work out the way I thought? Was it even better? Right. What can maybe I tweak? Do I want to keep it going? And there's a lot of just constantly revisiting and shaping. I mean, the holidays have been this process of shaping and creating since back in 2007 when I was kind of over the the present thing. But it's taken seven years to get to the point that we're at now. It's not something that happened overnight. Part of that may be that I'm just a slow learner and it takes me a while and I'm really good at getting in my own way. And then part of it is, you know, testing different things out and the fact that I'm not just by myself. I'm with a group of people. Um, so... Thank you so much for sending in iTunes reviews. That really helps the show. I so appreciate that. And thank you for your emails. That does, that fuels me because like when Jen talked about the grit and the grind, right? There, there is a grind to doing the show. And some days we're like, really, what, do, what am I going to talk about? Or does this show help somebody? And then I get these, the emails from you. And I know, but we all have our moments of self-doubt, right? I know I have a ton of evidence. And so the emails, I love to hear your stories, right? And sometimes I just want to have like a big party so I can get to know you all in person. Wouldn't that be great? So continue to send me those emails. Thank you for your iTunes reviews. If you haven't done it, I really ask you to go and do it. It helps support the show and it helps. And then for spreading it around and sharing it with people, right? Those of you that have written to me or contacted my guests on the show, it means a lot to them because they're showing up here to really help you and to be of service to you. So with that being said, thank you so much. And I look forward to next time. Thanks for listening to How She Really Does It. I invite you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter at howshereallydoesit.com. I do this show each week for you, so you can now see the windows of possibilities in your own life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week, I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into the space so you can ask yourself, if that is possible for them, what is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. I would love to connect with you. Please join me at www. 
howshereallydoesit.com. And thanks for listening today. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.